Every day in this podcast, we talk about aspects of this current crisis that many of us may be finding tricky to adjust to. Today, though, we focus on the mental health of our frontline healthcare workers. Thanks for joining us again today. I hope your week is going well so far. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Eva Doherty, who's a chartered clinical psychologist and she's the director of Human Factors in Patient Safety at the Royal College of Surgeons. Now, Eva has a keen interest in the mental health of healthcare workers and has spent the last few weeks working on multiple different things, but also on developing resources to support them as their work intensifies during this pandemic. Eva and I talk about some of the things healthcare workers sort of need to keep an eye on in terms of their preparation, self-care. Eva also has some really good advice for how healthcare workers can, even in the midst of really intense work, use some valuable seconds to just take a breath, reconnect, refocus. At the end, I'll share a range of supports that are available through various professional bodies. So we'll keep all that together at the end if you want points of reference. If you are a healthcare worker... I really hope you find this conversation helpful. And if you're not, but you know a healthcare worker, there's plenty here that can help us to support them. I know that there's an awful lot of planning going on in the hospitals. I know that there's a good bit of what we call simulation. So a little bit like what airline pilots do. You know, they they get into a simulator and and they practice all kinds of scenarios um, in the simulator before they go and fly in the plane. There's a lot of that going on in the hospital I know that they're having briefings and they're talking about different scenarios. What are we going to do? And I think what what psychologically what makes that hard is that on the one hand, it's that's really important. We know that's really important. And certainly everybody all around the world is saying this is so critical, especially reports from China are telling us this. But also the problem with that, though, is, is that it's very easy to spiral then into hypothetical worrying and catastrophizing and thinking about, oh my God, what about this? What about that? What about the other? And it's so hard to keep yourself in the, in the middle there, mm-hmm. you know, where you are thinking about the future and you are planning, but you're not letting yourself go, get out of control. That's hard even for just regular humans hanging around at home to do, never mind people who are also have the additional level of knowing that they're going to be um, looking after the sickest of people with this condition. To an extent, we know that if you like, the kind of normal reactions that people are feeling all around the country are, if you like, in inverted commas, trained out of doctors and other healthcare workers because they are exposed to such sad situations and such difficult situations in their normal everyday work anyway. And so they get a kind of um, almost like a suit of armour, if you like, that is protective in ways But for this kind of extreme and prolonged uh, stress that they're going to be exposed to, that can catch up with them because, you know, a kind of a long period of, you know, continually suppressing your normal human reactions, you know, that is there is a cost there to the individual. And is there anything you can do? In advance of that, is there anything you can do in the preparation, knowing that something like that is coming? I think the first thing is to do is to normalize it the way people are going to feel and that, you know, this, you know, because they're going to feel stressed, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. 
um you know that that this is normal and you know even soldiers exposed to terrible scenarios you know will react um you know and feel really under strain and under pressure so number one i think the most important thing and this is so hard for healthcare workers because they tend to be an incredibly conscientious group of people and so they tend to be quite self-critical at the best of times mm-hmm. and this more than any is a time for them to to be really kind to themselves and give themselves a break and you know if they can get up you know every day and go to work and do what they got to do that's really brilliant in this time of preparation i think it's really important for them to really look after themselves and again we know that healthcare workers you know they're not good at this they're so altruistic you know they you know there's that very famous phrase doctors heal thyself and that's yeah. because it's recognized that doctors are not good at looking after themselves mm. or healthcare workers are not good at looking after themselves they're, in t- they're inclined to look after others first yeah and this is really a time where they really need to look after themselves so that means they need to feed themselves properly with good quality food. They need to get as much sleep as they can. They need to stay away from, you know, um, sort of soothing, potentially soothing things like smoking and alcohol because they're not good, you know, for us when we're trying to build ourselves up. They need to get exercise if they can and more, you know, the most important thing is that they need their sleep. That's really important. In as much as you're saying that they need to do those things for themselves, I think it's also really useful for people who have healthcare workers in their lives, if they're in their families or in their friend group, to know those things too, to help to sort of be a second pair of eyes, to watch out for them, to sort of, I don't know, maybe drop a lasagna on the, the step, something to just help to support them in those meaningful, practical ways. The one thing, if you like, that I think is going to come out of all of this is that our healthcare workers are going to be our heroes. They're going to, there was a really nice article in the Financial Times um, a couple of Saturdays ago about how the healthcare workers are going to be the new soldiers. I think supporting everybody, our healthcare workers as much as possible in those ways, recognising, we know that if we get recognition when we're really under pressure, you know, that is just so valuable and and people will put up with lots and lots and would be able to cope if they're getting recognition for what they're doing. So, yeah, the lasagna on the doorstep is incredibly welcome. (laughs) The other thing I think as well is that I can imagine and this may not be the case for everybody, but I mean, given your description about how the nature of people who tend to gravitate towards healthcare work, that the more that we sometimes talk about them as heroes, we have to hand in hand with that also say but you must be terrified or, you know, it's okay for you to be scared too. Mm. Like that's, it's the bravery is the part of it that makes them heroes because I would hate for them to feel like I'm really scared and I can't say it because everyone's going to think that in some way I'm not up for this or I'm not able for this. I would be concerned that that is going to happen and I'm not really sure how we can mitigate against that. Very nice letter in The Lancet recently about the Chinese experience and Exactly that. The the doctors and healthcare workers did not admit to not being able to cope Mm -hmm. and they didn't actually make use of support uh, helplines or they didn't put their hands up and say, you know, I'm not coping here. 
and they make some really interesting recommendations for the rest of the world facing into the same thing. So they're like saying, you know, it's important to provide places in the hospitals where they can go and have a rest and get a break. It's important to make sure that they have, you know, good food. Um, One of the surprising things they recommended as well is videoing what they are doing so that their families can be reassured, you know, of what's actually going on when they're in the hospitals. And then the other thing they really need help with is about how to cope with really, really distressed patients because they're, you know, they're going to, there's going to be some very strong emotions. They're going to be very distressed. And and that, that kind of heightened emotion is very contagious. You know, it seeps into those around the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to kind of manage the way it's affecting you as a healthcare worker and also be able to help the person who's feeling the emotion manage it too. I mean, I feel even when I say when the surge hits, I feel like in some way I'm nearly fueling the sense of anticipation mm. and anxiety. But, you know, when we are in it, frontline health workers are in it, working at full tilt in a pressurised environment. Like, are there any simple ways to give your brain a moment to reconnect with your body in those situations or to give yourself any kind of break? Or is it just a relentless adrenaline fueled push? Start becoming aware of what what way your breathing is, because what the first thing that happens to us when we get really stressed is our breathing goes wrong. And we start breathing in very shallow ways and we're not breathing deeply anymore. And then we're, you know, we've got reduced oxygen then in our in our body. So, you know, we're, we're up against it even on, on that level. So yeah. it's about, you know, breathe, just taking a minute every now and again to just breathe. And that means in through your nose, out through your mouth. Um, you can breathe in for five, out for six and just take that second when you're standing at the door of the ward before you walk in or you know you're 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 going down the stairs just give yourself a second and breathe in and out it is the best and most efficient way of re-establishing the balance we know it affects the balance of adrenaline in our brains Um, and so that really is the best thing to do and then i think keep an eye on our hypothetical catastrophic worrying you know, watch out for it and kind of go, right, look, I'm staying in the now. And I think, you know, focusing on where you are in the now, think about your feet on the floor. Think about the things around you, the walls, the stairs, the pictures on the walls, you know, become mindful of you being in the here and now and try and not let yourself uh, run away with yourself, if you like, into a panic. People need to take breaks. They need to have, you know, they need to have their lunch. They need to have coffee. Um, not too much coffee now, but just enough. And they need to make sure that they don't become dehydrated. Yeah. I've seen in the resources around the world, you know, the what they call the pee test. You know, yeah. there's, <laughs> our body tells us when we're when we're dehydrated. Yeah. And so, you know, let keep an eye on that. And if you're dehydrated, you know, get yourself a bottle of water and carry it around with you. How are any of the people planning trying to work in breaks like I mean, when you say people need to be able to take breaks be able to have a sandwich or whatever I'm imagining and it's possibly my own catastrophizing but I'm imagining in the thick of this good luck having a sandwich like you know is that just an over-the-top thought or is that just part and parcel that's built into the system there's definitely going to be a, a strong likelihood that yes that is what's going to happen because that even happens in normal day to day I was thinking uh, working for healthcare workers you know um that they tend not to get lunch breaks 
So it's definitely going to be a challenge. Which I guess then brings us on to what happens after all of this. What the statistics tell us is that probably the vast majority of people are, are going to cope OK and they'll be, they'll be all right in the same way that, you know, most of us cope with, you know, a, a major bereavement. You know, we're we're rattled for a while, we're upset for a while and we use the coping resources that we have available and most of us get through it and, and we carry on. And that's going to be the same uh, here. Most people will will cope. However, the 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 people that may not may find it really hard, you know, to let go are going to be people who for whom it has perhaps a very significant meaning. Maybe it's linking in with prior difficult experiences that they've had. And so they're kind of getting a double whammy mm-hmm. um, and how they manage that will determine, you know, whether they're able to move on and let go. And that's the same principle for all uh, traumatic situations. So there will be a there will be a proportion of people who are going to need uh, some extra help. I think in terms of, you know, going home every day, it's going to be about, you know, back to the basics. It's going to be about looking after your basic needs, making sure you get proper sleep, making sure you get proper food, you know, use use your Use whatever social supports you have, you know, if you can, you know, speak with your partner, if you can talk to your family, your friends. We know that peers are really, really very, very effective sources of support. Um, One of the recommendations is as well is that there should be buddy systems in the hospitals so that people should be allocated in pairs. So you have a senior, a senior healthcare worker with a more junior one and, you know, that one can the senior one can support the junior one yeah so i think um using and and there's all kinds of ways you know there's 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 a confidential silo app that's out there that are is specifically for um healthcare workers to communicate with each other on so and then people i tend to find like the trainees i know and the doctors i know they're all on their own little whatsapps as well mm. um where they talk to each other So that's going to be really critical, you know, using social supports, looking after your basic needs, coming home, you know, have a nice, you know, hot bath, have have a nice dinner, get to bed early. You know, it's back to the basics. That's how people are going to cope. But I'm, I'm pretty sure the vast majority will cope, but there will be a small proportion of people who will find it difficult. And we also know from experiences with the 9-11 disaster and tragedy that Mm. it doesn't work to offer everybody debriefing and psychological help. That actually can make some people worse. Right. It's important to monitor people and keep an eye on people and see how people do and, you know, make it easy for them to get help for the few who are going to need it. But it's not a one size fits all by any means. Yeah, it's interesting that you say monitor because I was thinking there when you said, you know, the majority of people will cope. I suppose it's important to clarify that that doesn't mean the majority of people will cope as in I've coped with this. This is fine. It's it's still a process of coping, but they'll it, and they will sort of walk through it over a period of time afterwards. Mm. But it's very much a sort of a natural process. Everybody has, you know, the we all understand that somebody needs to process grief, you know, when somebody they loved dies. Yeah. And that's there's no stigma around that. You know, where yeah. most people are very open, open about that. 
this is not any different. You know, um, people are going to have to go through a type of a grieving. Everybody's going to. Yeah. Because everybody's going to be affected about it in different ways. And yeah. and again, it's really important not, that we don't have a stigma, you know, about the way that they respond, that it's seen as exactly the same. There's definitely a great sense of camaraderie now in the hospitals and everybody, you know, rallying together and... I am I'm hoping that this will be long lasting so that, you know, when it's all over, that pulling together feeling and camaraderie and um supporting each other um will will carry on um in 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 hospitals and, and that that there's gonna be a whole revolution, you know, from that point of view that yeah. that there and, and it that can only but be good um in that people will feel supported in their work. It's interesting to note how pretty much all the time in Ireland when people talk about like if you know somebody who's been in hospital or know somebody who's been sick, the common refrain is, well, you know, it's a bit difficult to get in. But once you're in, the care is superb. The nurses are amazing. The doctors are amazing. Mm. And we all sort of know it on a level. But I think you're right. We need to be more vocal about it all the time. And it's maybe not even about being vocal. It's just having that sense of respect and holding our healthcare workers in the esteem they deserve all the time. And I think making that explicit and saying it out loud, because, you know, in recent years, there's been a lot of negativity, you know, directed towards healthcare. Yeah. And um, and I think, you know, I think this could be a bit of a tipping point where it goes the other way and where, you know, they will feel that they are valued and, you know, that we we do admire, you know, what they do for us and that they are super because that means so much to them. And so say all of us. I think it's fair to say that none of us can ever really fully repay the debt of gratitude that we owe to healthcare workers generally when we're not in the midst of a pandemic. But at the moment, we all have an acute sense of how truly special these people are putting themselves in harm's way. They are in the belly of the beast and the best way for us to thank them is to basically do what we're told. Stay at home. If you're a healthcare worker listening, thank you. Please mind yourself when you can. Please check out some of these resources that Eva kindly shared with us. So Eva and her colleagues at the Royal College of Surgeons have advice and videos available at rcsi.ie. There's then similar supports available at the Royal College of Physicians website, which is rcpi.ie and the GPs, icgp.ie. The Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation has a really handy infographic on protecting health, safety and well-being at this time, and that's over at inmo.ie. And there's also a range of supports online at psychologicalsociety.ie. Lastly, this one I think is a great one-stop shop is mindthefrontline.com. It has loads of really good like breathing and relaxation exercise that you can literally do in 60 seconds as well as information on effectively managing in a crisis and more. I'm Johnny Lanagon. I'll talk to you tomorrow and in the meantime, take care.